1: What's good, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. It's a rainy day in Oklahoma today, but it's a beautiful day, T-Dub, because it is Masters Week. The wait is over. We have a huge show for you guys today. We are rolling along with our Masters coverage. Thank you guys for following us and listening to our radio show on the Sports Animal. We have a big treat for you. Coming up, right off the rip of the show. And now we have a big treat for you guys to start off Masters Week. We're joined by Squares CEO. Yes, that's Squares Golf Shoes, the most stable shoe in golf. Their CEO, Bob Winskowitz. Bob, how have you been doing? And, you know, we haven't seen you since Orlando. And tell us everything that's been going on with Squares.
3: Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a nice ride since, uh, since Orlando, as you know, Steph Straka who wears squares, won the Honda Classic and, uh, made it into Augustus. So, uh, squares will be at the hallowed ground this week. In fact, uh, yesterday we have, uh, a young lady that played in the, uh, the drive, strip and pot. Uh, she came in second, uh, missed by a half a point in the, uh, in the women's 10 to 11 age group. So, uh. Yeah, we're excited for that. We're excited for this week, a big week at Augusta, and uh, hopefully SEP uh, plays well.
4: Yeah, I think that would be icing on the cake for for you guys, definitely, Bob. I mean, just so so amazing. You know, you guys got Nick Faldo, three-time Green Jacket winner, and obviously Straka's is there as well, and you just mentioned drive, chip, and putt. So, you know, just from an individual and from a business perspective, how much does this week mean to you?
3: It means a lot uh, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, you know, first of all, this, this event kicks off golf. I mean, everybody uh, who's a golfer seems to, to wait until this time to really start thinking about making purchases, um, really getting back in the mood for golf. And, and uh, this is just such a great event that, um, you know, I think with, with Tiger being there this week and every indication he's going to play, I think there's a lot of hype. So this is a fun week for everybody.
1: Now, Bob, we saw some big news in the shoe world yesterday. I don't know if you saw that Tiger was out there wearing foot joys. Now, as a shoe company, how common is that for for a guy to wear change shoes, you know, randomly without any uh publicity around it?
3: It's it's really very rare. You know, which you know, I, I've seen all the the newscasts that uh FootJoy stock went up a little, and Nike stock dropped a little. <laughs> and you know, it's amazing that Tiger can move the market. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's 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 very rare because um, usually a company like a FootJoy, if they made a deal with them, would be out there pushing that everywhere. I mean, that's a company that hey, it's a great company. Uh, they've been losing market share steadily, and I think it's because people like Squares go out and innovate, innovate differently, and better. Um, and, and we take market share. So, you know, maybe this is something where he's trying out the shoes, but again, I think it's something that, uh, you know, a place like Augusta you just don't go out and try him. I think that, uh, he's probably been wearing for a little while. Maybe mm-hmm. it has to do with, uh, you know, with Nike and, uh, what happened in the past with him, but, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see.
4: Yeah, you know, we, we've always talked about Tiger moving the needle, especially on social media. We don't really think about him moving the stock markets very much. <laughs> so he's entered a new realm of, of publicity there, um, Bob, for sure. So, you know, obviously we, we talk a lot about how undulating Augusta is, and that's one of the things that, that may be holding Tiger back if for some reason he doesn't play is the fact that it's such a hard course to walk. So as a shoe guy yourself, talk about the importance of having a good, comfortable shoe walking on the undulations at Augusta.
3: You know, it is critical, but there are two components that you need to have. You need to have that balance and the stability on the awkward lies. And then you've got to have comfort, you know, uh, before somebody like squares, the uh, comfort and stability really weren't in the same sentence. Everybody thought those lightweight sneaker like shoes, um, were, were out there because of comfort and I, and I give them that, but that's a sneaker like shoe. And it's not a golf shoe. You need traction, you need balance and stability. You need the upper material to be stable so your foot's not literally moving in the shoe. So if you have a side heel lie with a lightweight mesh shoe, your foot is literally moving in that shoe. So someplace like Augusta, you need the traction, you need the stability, particularly on the awkward lie. So uh, you know, it's something that uh, in fact there was a recent study that just came out is quite interesting. Is there was a gentleman who tested with the seven eye and a very high Profile instructor out of the UK with bare feet, uh, a spikeless shoe and a spike shoe like squares, and uh, he was swinging a seven iron and he was 81 miles an hour in a spikeless shoe, 82 and a half miles an hour in barefoot, and 84.9 miles an hour with a spiked shoe. And then you'll ask, well, why is barefoot more than a uh, more than a spikeless shoe? Well, because you can grab the ground with your toes, whereas mm-hmm. a spikeless golf shoe you don't have that traction you can't you know the shoe has got to grip the ground not your toe and that's the difference that's uh, two and a half miles an hour difference that's about nine yards of distance
1: that is that is amazing i never would have thought that the barefoot uh would be better than the spikeless shoe okay bob let's get to the contest that we promised the people and our listeners so for master's week everybody we have a special treat we're going to do a contest and it's going to be through social media We have a signed pair from Bob of Nick Faldo golf shoes. And the way we're going to do this is if throughout the week, if you follow the 73rd hole at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram and at squares on Twitter and Instagram, then you have a chance to win this contest and win this pair of Nick Faldo signed square shoes. Bob, tell us about these shoes.
3: So these are these shoes are phenomenal. They really are an exciting, um, ex- ex- exciting in the sense that it captures the essence of Augusta. These are what we call the Faldo Eleven. And for those history buffs out there, Faldo won two of the three green jackets in a playoff, and it was consecutive years, and he won it on the 11th hole. Uh, because that's where the playoff started. Mm-hmm. Now, it will never happen again because they changed the rules at Augusta in terms of the playoff. So these shoes uh, ha- are, have got a white dogwood flower on them, and it says Faldo 11. So these are very special shoes signed by Sir Nick, and uh, anybody who wins these, these are, uh, these are quite a treasure piece.
4: I mean, these look top of the line, Bob. I mean, these these are as good as it gets. And when you're signed by a, a six time major champion and obviously famous broadcaster now, Nick Faldo, I couldn't imagine what these things are, would go on in an open market. So once again, Sam, what what are the rules to to enter the contest?
1: Okay, so you're following the 73rd hole on Twitter and Instagram and at Squares on Twitter and Instagram, pretty simple rules. And we will pick the winner after play concludes on Sunday. So a little Masters Sunday champion, uh, for squares and the 73rd hole, Bob, we can't thank you enough for the great relationship you've had with us. You've treated us just amazing. You guys sent us some shoes and I've been wearing them every time I play golf, Bob, I love them. I'm never going to wear anything other than squares.
3: (laughs) Well, if you do, I'm going to hunt you down. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> no, you guys have been great. No, it's guys like you that uh, helped grow this game of golf. And, uh, and, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be in a friendship and a partnership with you boys. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, Bob. You're the best. Have a good one, Bob. All right, boys. Take care. And that was Squares CEO Bob Winskowitz. What a great guy he is. What a great relationship we have with Squares. Definitely go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. You can see the Faldo 11s there. T-Dub, the Faldo 11s are the definition of of limited edition.
4: I mean, these things are hard to come by. If if you're going to be wearing these or if you're just going to have them around, these are going you're going to be the only one that has these. You know, if you get the signed pair of Nick Faldo, if you want to get some other ones to wear cuz these are drip
1: now. I mean, these <laughs> things are absolutely. Stuff. So, I
4: mean, I mean, shout out to Squares. They they're some of the best guys around and the most comfortable shoes in the game.
1: Yeah, when we got off the air, he was telling us that normally they only make about 2 or 3 pairs of these. Now, they're going to make a few more for everybody to have, but not signed ones. There's only going to be a very select few signed Nick Faldo shoes out there, Faldo 11s. And those are – and, you know, like he was mentioning
4: before, you know, Faldo three-time major champion there. He's most famous for beating uh, Greg Norman when he had a six-shot lead in 96, Absolutely. the year before Tiger won. So. But
1: the year that the hump man and my mom were on TV behind 16 when Greg Norman hit it in the water on 16. Man, have I you was... ever seen that video? No, I haven't. I, I got to check that out. The Huntman had the big goggles on. I mean, it was the 90s. My mom's <laughs> hair was huge. My dad's glasses were huge. Everything was big, even the comebacks back in the 90s.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Huntman's there this week, so, I mean, he's just get carrying the tradition. I think he should probably bring out the goggles if he's out there watching Tiger on Sunday.
1: Again, go to squares.com and look at these Faldo 11s, okay? But you're going to go to Twitter and Instagram and follow... The seventy third hole on both, and you're going to follow squares on both, and you will have a chance to enter the contest. You will be entered in the contest. You will have a chance to win the pair of Nick Faldo signed Faldo Eleven Squares golf shoes, and you will find out on Master Sunday if you won. I, I can't wait. I, I was
4: kind of joking that I might have to make some burner accounts and try to get entered into this contest. Yeah, but, uh, we're a gonna... lot of
1: people will be wanting us to, you know, give them the little, you know. Back back door under the table handoff with these. Not going on. We're going to use a random number generator, and it'll be totally random. some One of our lucky listeners will get these Faldo 11 signed golf shoes.
4: Like we said, definition, limited edition, shout out to, to Squares and Bob. They're some of the best people around. Absolutely love it.
1: T-Dub, I was talking to my dad. Now, I think that my dad should still consider his streak of going to Augusta Alive, Even though he missed the last two years because of COVID rules at Augusta, I think that he's still been to 30-whatever in a row.
4: Well, I mean, I'm you know, they don't let you in the door. I mean, so, you know, there's only <laughs> op- so many opportunities you have. He's been able to go every chance that he's got. So, I mean, and there's no other bigger legend than the hump man. So, there, there's no doubt that the streak should continue, and I, I don't want to see the day where it actually does end.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. T-Dub, all right, we're going to take a short break, but on the other side of the break – We're going to have a full Valero Texas Open recap. We're going to have a Chevron recap. We're going to have an A&WA recap. And then we're going to get into some Masters talk. We might even have a special guest. He hadn't texted me back yet, so I don't know if we're going to get him. But, because Woody's a busy man. (laughs) (laughs) The Hall of Famer, Woody. The Hall of Famer. We might have him on the show as well. Coming up right after the break here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma
2: when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mcrae roofing mcrae roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mcrae and the experienced team at mcrae roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs mcrae roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service security and protection you need from the unpredictable oklahoma weather mccray roofing offers residential and commercial roofing ventilation services and custom copper designs mccray roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations it's not just a roof it is your home's crowning glory call mccray roofing today at 405-692-4000 that's 405-692-4000 Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today.
1: Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And if you haven't been to GolfOklahoma.org, go check out all your local golf news in the state from GolfOklahoma.org. You can see stories about Brian Burchell and Kaufman winning the TGA two-man challenge at South Lakes. I mean, they've been doing it for years, T-Dub. They're the best mid-ams in the state, it seems like. Brian Burchell has been doing it for many, many years. Tulsa, you can see a story about them. Sweep the Sooners and the Cowgirls in women's golf at the Red Raider match play. Uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. The Northeastern Riverhawks bested a 28-team field in Palm Valley down in Arizona. And then Ryder Cowan wins the OJGT spring fling at Lincoln Park. And then the other stories here are about the men's Sooners and the men's Cowboys. And they were both in action this past week, T-Dub. You know, one really good and one not so good. I know that the Sooners didn't have Logan McAllister this week at the Calusa Cup. Uh, But first, let's talk about the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys did get hammered by the Texas Longhorns. And, you know, the big story in this one was Pearson Cootie, T-Dub. Pearson Cootie, brother of Parker Cootie, the Texas Longhorns have him back from the, what was it, a fractured... Wrist or something from a from a it was from a, a supposed
4: relay race you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll see how we'll, we're up for debate no. if that's true yeah. or not but you know I'm I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt could have been like we've discussed a drunk night in Austin it happens <laughs> but you know either way coming back first event back shoots. 17 under wins by six shots. Uh, like you mentioned, Chikara was in second place, along with uh, a golfer from Notre Dame and a player from South Carolina as well. So, Texas also had the fifth and sixth and tied for ninth. Uh, Pearson Cootie's brother, Parker Cootie, was in that T ninth spot. So,
1: but you also yeah, look Cole at Cole Hammer bringing up the rear in 13th. Man, it's <laughs> dude, I mean, look, I mean, the winner in the Big 12s last year. Dude, how good, how good is Texas playing right now and this is totally out of the blue a little bit because obviously they're going to be better with Pearson Cootie but Travis Vick, Mason Nome, Parker Cootie and Cole Hammer haven't played this good all year. It's you know we've talked about this before Sam when we were talking about OU and
4: OSU and we we're trying to prognosticate who's going to win nationals and you know, even looking at OU, it's a good example. I know they didn't have Logan McAllister, but it's, you know, when when are you able to peak with your form? And some teams peak in February, some in April. Like, I like we're kind of seeing with Texas right now, this is some of the best golf they played in, in some time. And then you look at OSU, who won by, what, 20-something strokes in one of the strongest events a couple weeks ago in Tucson. So the last thing, we mentioned this yesterday on the Sports Animal Radio show, is that. The last thing these state schools need is for Texas to start finding form. And unfortunately, Absolutely. it looks like that that's happening. So, yep. you know, Sam, I think we're going to see a lot when it comes to uh, the Big 12s this year. Not Instead of Prairie Dunes, we're down at uh, Trinity Forest. So it'd be interesting to see who wins there. But then after that, we'll go to find the regional sites and then go into national.
1: You're sites. right. It's all about peaking at the right time. Now, I know they lost by 26 shots, but they still finished second. talking about Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State is peaking at the right time. And the biggest thing for them to me is Bo Jen. And Bo Jin, with a really solid tournament, finished third on the team, finished 11th, tied for 11th in the tournament 68-71-71. If they can get great play – from Eugenio Lopez Chicara, Amon Gupta, who is playing out of his mind right now, you know, 71, 65, 73. He's been playing really solid golf the last three golf tournaments. If they and then Bo Jin, if they can get solid play out of those three, and then maybe, you know, get a top twenty type finish from a guy in a regional and a stroke play portion of the national championship, they're gonna make match play, and then I like their chances. Now, Rayhan Thomas finished tied for sixty first. 74, 72, 81. So I would assume to see, I, I would assume we would see Jonas Baumgartner uh, coming up in their next tournament.
4: Well, one of the biggest things, Sam, you know this from playing so many how much college golf, is that, you know, if you have five, you know, you have five players on a team for anyone who doesn't know how college golf works. So then if you have to take four scores, mm-hmm. so then if, if you have two players that are playing bad, then that's going to completely hurt your chances. Especially
1: in the same round.
4: And, and that's what we saw from OU last year at Regionals, right? Right. And, and that's what happened to them where they got into a trap of, you got know, two guys out of the top five that aren't playing good. And, you know, it kind of bailed them out in match play because you only have to win three matches. But the problem is in stroke play, you got to take four scores. So the biggest thing for these teams going into Regionals is going to be if they can just get four players to play good, they're going to easily make it through. Because it doesn't matter if you finish one or six at Regionals, yeah. right? It's just about getting through. So right. as long as they – you can, you can afford to have one player have a bad week, but like you said, Sam, if you have two players play bad in the same round, you're fighting a big uphill battle that you don't want
1: to fight. 100%. Now, I think that OU is still the better starting five. But I think that OSU is definitely deeper and can pick the guy that's peaking at the right time. Because if we go to the Calusa Cup down in Naples, Florida, where OU is playing this week, they're tied for fifth right now after the first round. And Stephen Campbell Jr., after the first day, excuse me, they they played two rounds. Um, Stephen Campbell Jr., 82-82, or 44th solo. Now... They don't have much depth on their team, and, and especially not as much as OSU. That means if OU is losing a guy like this week, like Logan McAllister, or if a guy is playing bad, they don't have a guy that can just sub in and and play really you know, consistently elite golf to me. Uh, Campbell hadn't shown it to me yet this year that he's on the level of a Goddard up or even a Drew Goodman who is tied for fifth in that golf tournament right now, 69-69 to start off the Calusa Cup. Now, where do you think as far as we were so bullish on OU being the best team in the country, I still think they're the best starting five, but I don't know if they're the best team.
4: So, uh, it's probably safe to say, Sam, you know, if we had the A team, which 1 through 5, we had a B team, 6 through 10, we'd probably say OU's A team is just slightly better than slightly. OSU. But I would probably say, at least from what we've seen so far, a lot of these guys that, you know, from OU, we probably haven't seen as much because they haven't had as much turnover. But so far, and that tournament experience has a lot to do with it, too, you know, getting to be able to play a lot. So, I would say OSU's B team is probably – right now playing better than OU's B team would be.
1: But but the difference is is that, you know, we only... But I'm not going all the way down to B team. I'm talking about the six or seven guys. Top six or seven guys, I would choose OSU. Top five guys, top four guys... I would choose OU. Well, and you know,
4: it's it's fairly interesting. You so always,
1: it puts a lot of pressure on OU, is what I'm saying.
4: And so you hear you hear the uh, the old conundrum: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Right. I don't necessarily believe in that, but
1: well, you know, that's some, different in golf, though. Well, absolutely, you well, want uh, as many good players as possible.
4: The the point I'm trying to make is because I dealt with this on um, in my college team where you know we had eight guys who were all very similar in talent, and mm. it's you know, some tournaments we go as individuals. The individuals would sometimes finish top five, even win the tournament, right. you know? And so. OSU has the conundrum of they got you know eight guys who are all playing really good. And so it's like, well, which five do we throw out there at the right time? They
1: right? have played good, not yes. necessarily are playing good at the time. But like in the fall, Amon Gupta wasn't even cracking the lineup, and now he's a surefire lock based on how he's played the last three weeks, in my mind. Well, he's
4: jumped into the top fifteen, in the PGA Tour U rank. Exactly. So I mean, he's just on, on form. So that goes back to the peaking at the right time thing. I I would just say I think OU is is a little bit is is different than OSU in the sense of I think they probably have their five set once Logan McAllister comes back. They know right. who they're going to take and they can prepare for that. As opposed to OSU, maybe doing some some qualifying and stuff like that to figure out who's going to get in that fourth and fifth spot.
1: Yeah, and then we have Texas, T Dub.
4: I mean, you talk they, about a surefire. Talk to top about five. a starting
1: five. I mean. And, yeah, I think that Pierce and Cootie being back allows the other four guys to have a little less pressure on them, and they went out and just blitzed the field.
4: So, uh, as our top five, we mentioned start, you know, first, fifth, sixth, ninth, and thirteenth. So Unbelievable. Um, I mean, you talk about throwing out a score. I mean, you're, th- you're, you're fourth guys in ninth. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about struggling too much there. So, I'll say this. I think that... For, for Texas, we saw it last year a little bit at the Big 12s. If Cole Hammer's putter crop co- cooperates with him, if I can cooperate with my own <laughs> mouth here, uh, then they're going to be a hard team to beat. And Pearson Cootie, like we see, I mean, this is one by six strokes first event back. I mean, that's pretty pretty damn stellar. So I, the last thing I want to see is Texas win a national title, but they are they are
1: trending in the right direction, Sam. And it's it's very scary for the state schools. Yeah, and we talk a lot about the Big 12 schools, but. Down at the Calusa Cup, we're getting a chance to see Florida. Now, Florida's played really solid golf throughout the year, and they might have an argument with us on who's the best player in the country. We might say Chikara or up or Logan McAllister. They might say Ricky Castillo. Yes, right. And so, or Castillo—is it Castillo or Castillo?
4: Uh, you know, what's funny is that I remember watching the uh, the Walker Cup.
1: And, and they were I, pronouncing it Castillo. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he's in the lead of the Calusa Cup, 65-65. Uh, and he has a two-shot lead over Bartley Forrester from Georgia Tech. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how – these Big 12 schools kind of match up with some of the schools that we don't get to see as often here in this part of the state.
4: And I mean, you look at you look at some other teams around there, you know, Georgia State, or I'm sorry, not Georgia State, Georgia Tech, playing pretty well. Wake Forest a great team, they're in third. Uh, Georgia, the second-ranked team, according to golf staff, that's in this field, they're in fourth, so OU's in a really stellar field right now, and you know, like we said, we just talked about the depth thing, you know, you take a top-five player in the PGA Tour you and Logan McAllister, he's down playing in San Antonio. I want to shout out Logan, by the way, he missed the cup by one, unfortunately, but had such a really- solid golf such great golf they they showed a lot of him on Thursday and so that was really good to see and I, I he you can tell that that he was pretty comfortable in his first tour event right yeah it's like the first hole there he ended up he doubled the first hole that he played but it's one of the toughest opening holes in golf so right. for him to be able to bounce back from that you know he finished it even par and when he started Just two over, settle in yeah he yeah,
1: played the rest of your round two under
4: so you know we, we've talked about you know how good are these, these the state players going to end up being on the on the professional level, and I think um, McAllister along with Goddard up and Chakar, like you mentioned, are going to be world-class players before we know it.
1: Absolutely. And then on the women's side, T-Dub, we had the ANWA, and we talked a lot about it if you heard our radio show, the 73rd hole radio show on the Sports Animal yesterday with the Humpman live from Augusta. By the way, the Humpman will be with us live from Augusta on the podcast tomorrow. So make sure to listen to the podcast tomorrow, Huntman Live from Augusta. But anyways, the ANWA T-Dub, Anna Davis goes out and wins the golf tournament. And there was some fireworks towards the end because Lindblad T-Dub went bonkers. She eagled number eight and number 15. And then by the end of the golf tournament, we thought it was going to be Latana Stone. She has that nice high Colin Montgomery finish on 16, hits it to about Two and a half feet makes birdie on sixteen, and then out of the blue, you know, pressure of being at Augusta trying to close out a golf tournament. Latona Stone hits not a great iron shot, not a honestly a bad iron shot, and then not a very good chip. Kind of bounced it into the bounced it into the ball. Like I, I don't know. I, I want to talk about that chip real quick. T Dub, the one on seventeen. The right? one on seventeen. Now Bones was saying that this chip is harder than it looks, I don't know if that's really the case, right? I mean, she had a bunch of green to work with. The only thing she had to really worry about was getting it over the bunker, right? And I think that when we talked to Woody yesterday about chipping under pressure, you have to trust the bounce of that wedge. And she just kind of, for lack of a better term, bounced it into the ball, right?
4: Yeah, and so, you know, I was listening to her uh – uh, interview after the round, you know. Shout out to her too. I mean, finished double and double bogey, bogey, and she handled it really well. know, really well. You could tell she she was very emotional. You know, wanted to cry that time. I mean, rightfully so. I would have too. I mean, that's a a, a very hard situation. But you know, listening to the post round interview, she said that on that chip, she wanted. She was so focused on not hitting, not leaving it in the bunker, and she she even mentioned that. So what she, happened? She she didn't hit it in the
1: bunker. <laughs> yeah, it looked <laughs> they, like it yeah. they didn't even
4: come close to it. So I think that she got in the classic situation of you're doing, you're focused on what not to you're do. You're to what, shots. what to, Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you're, you're worried about the worst outcome possible. Where, it's like, even if she would have flubbed in the bunker, she could have got up and down for bogey. And yeah. then if she bogeyed the next hole, she's in a playoff. Right. So, f- for Miss Stone to be able to say that she had chips on, birdie chips on 17 and 18. And mm-hmm. it's, if you get one of these up and down, you win the tournament.
1: If you don't get both of them yeah. up and down, you, in a playoff. To and, me, what I wanted to bring up, number one, I think that 17 at Augusta is very underrated because now, it's growing on now that we've seen you know, two A&WAs, not just the best professional golfers playing the best in the world at the Masters, right? A&WAs shows us a little bit more about the hole to me. And two years in a row now, we've seen the leader going into 17 make a double on 17 because of hitting bad chip shots. I think that that's why Anna Davis ended up getting the W, was because of her stellar short game. I mean, she hit a great chip from behind 17 green with a little nip on it and just rolled it up there stone dead. Now, T dub, to me, like you said, 17's growing on you a little bit, but. I think part of it has to do with we don't see these, you know, lower amateurs. Like these, these are the best woman amateurs in the world, and they still struggle with these short game shots. It just proves how good that PGA Tour pros are under pressure with their short game.
4: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, especially around Augusta because the greens are so undulating, right? And so most people look at at green undulation and think that, well, it only matters in putting. Well, no, it has to do with your chipping and iron shots too because you got to know how to – you can work the ball against the slopes like Tiger does, and you got to know where not to miss it. And so – you know, I, I think, because you, you mentioned Miss Davis, and I didn't want to overshadow the fact that she won because we right. went, went into Stone going double, then bogey. I mean, she, she bogeyed number three, uh, Anna Davis did, and then from there played bogey-free golf. She birdied number nine, and then 12 and 13. I mean, and she got, well, I think what was amazing, Sam, was that on 13, you know, almost every woman I saw laid up and almost every one of them got up and down. <laughs> it was, right. like, I mean, I understand it's a fairly generous pin location, but at the same time, that's really good. I mean, that just shows how good the wedges are. And so well, you, you talk about the transition between amateurs and
1: pros. I'm damn. talking more not necessarily about short game to short game. I'm talking about short game under pressure to short game under pressure between oh. top amateurs and professionals. Even on the women's side, I, I guarantee you if you watch uh, – uh, LPGA player on the last hole of the U.S. Open and a top amateur on the last hole of the A&WA, you're going to see a huge difference in a tough tip, tough chip shot.
4: Well, I mean, like, for example, we've talked about Hovland's chipping a lot, right? And it's like, let's put him in that spot that Miss Stone was on 17. I mean, he's not going to hit that bad of a shot. And, right. he's, and he's literally the worst chipper on tour, even if he's still a, 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 he's a good chipper whenever you add everything up. Right. But when you talk about the best players in the world this year, he's literally the worst chipper mm-hmm. in the game. But he would still more than likely get up and down from that situation, even if it was – Maybe you know, not up and down,
1: but he's not going to make double.
4: Well, he's going to hit it to within 10 feet, I bet. And right. then it's just a matter if you make the putt or not. And, right. you know, Miss Stone, she was in a – a predicament where she's more likely going to three putt. She had to make what she
1: had one of the best lag putts she probably could have, and she was still six feet from the hole. So right, but you know, like I said, I don't want to dwell on the fact that she didn't hit the best shot there. It could have happened to anybody.
4: And we keep talking about the chip, and you brought up the iron. The iron shot was the worst. The, the, the iron worst part shot put
1: her in that position in the first place, and
4: it might have been a wedge shot. She's only like 130 yards. I mean, right. you know, she was really close up there. But she one of the things that you know you bring up was that. She drove it so far, but she was on that upslope. And so the upslope, you have to – you even if there's no conditions or anything like that, you have to take probably a club more. It's probably 10 right. yards longer. And so – she was probably. She, I think, she mentioned she was between clubs. Tried to hit a longer club. Well, you try to hit the longer club, you mishit it, and it's an off lie. You're going to come up thirty yards short, like she did. And unfortunately, that swing is probably what cost her tournament. Which was ironic because she hit it to four feet on third or twelve, and then she hit it to like three feet on sixteen. So it's right. like you know, our iron play seemed pretty good at that point.
1: Right, and so she obviously goes to LSU. So does Lindblad, her teammate. From LSU. Lindblad has also, now finished third and second in the a
4: She she Let's not overshadow this. She finished early, so a lot of people don't remember. She bogeyed 18, or she would have been in the playoffs. Right.
1: You're exactly right. You're exactly right, T-Dub. And that's what I was bringing up is LSU kind of heartbreak two years in a row at the a Now, the other thing I want to talk about, T-Dub, is Anna Davis. We, we haven't spent enough time on. She's 16 years old. She was born in 2006. That's the second Masters that Phil won. She was born in 2006. Doesn't obviously remember 2006. She said her first memory of Augusta National was watching Tiger 2 on 18 in 2019. In 2019. Anna Davis, if you look at the stats, she's the 100th ranked amateur in the world on World Amateur Golf Ranking, but she's second on AJGA ranking. She's been killing junior golf this whole year. And if I look at Anna Davis's last five tournaments T dub, she's had four top four finishes in her last five tournaments on the AJGA. She is a dominant force in junior golf right now. It'll be interesting to see where she goes to college.
4: Uh, th- there's no doubt about that. She's from the uh, San Diego area, Spring right. Valley, or, yes. I believe his name. So p- probably go to a school around there, maybe a USC Stanford. I-, I don't know. Obviously, at that point, you don't know what the academics are. So then that's a little bit up there. But you look you look at the play, and that's all that you really need to look at. So finish third, fourth, second, second, 15th, third. Uh, her worst finish going back to the last eight events or whatever is was at Carson, the Ping Invitational, one of the biggest junior tournaments. In the world, yeah, and she finished 16th. But you know, I think the most impressive thing that you were mentioning to me yesterday, it's like Sam, she
1: never has a bad tournament.
4: No, I, she don't know how to play bad golf. And <laughs> you know, the the girls' junior PGA Championship. You yeah. know, you played in the the boys' version, obviously. And right. So it, it
1: was the biggest tournament I ever played in. I mean, this thing it's it's like a I caddied for Brad Doggy in a Corn Fairy Tour event. This. Production of the tournament was much, much bigger than even a corn fair event.
4: So, I mean, uh, it's called the, the Junior PJ Championship, but it's safe, to say, it's safe to say it's a major championship for junior yep. golf. It's
1: the major uh, uh, as well as the uh, U.S. Junior.
4: Yes, yeah, and then you have some other invitational as well. Right. But nevertheless, she won
1: by seven shots. Seven.
4: I guess the best juniors in the world.
1: Imagine that. Imagine and she's it. only 16. Dominating by seven shots over all the best juniors, not in the country, but in the world. That, that's the thing Pretty that people don't realize about the AJGA is that
4: I'd say what twenty percent of the field are probably foreigners in, in most events. I mean, you know, I mean, so many countries represented: Europe, Latin America, Mexico. It's flat out unbelievable the, the amount of global span that the AJGA um, tour has got. So I, that that just goes to show that Anna Davis is going to be a superstar. I think at some point. We talked about it with, uh, like, Michelle Wee, um, Lydia Ko, who's sort of yep. getting her game back now. You know, she was so good at 17 and then kind of went, what, six or seven years without winning, five years, something like that. And then she's able to come back. So, hopefully, Anna Davis isn't able to do that. But this this tournament is a great transition into the next thing, the Chevron Championship, because Jennifer Cupcho who won the first of the – Real quick, I,
1: just Anna Davis, I just wanted to make the point that ignorance is bliss, right, because – She didn't even realize that she gets an exemption into the U S women's open. She never has really watched the masters. Right. And she was the one that looked like she had no pressure on her coming down the stretch. It, It seems like sometimes these young kids just don't know. And, that's a good thing sometimes.
4: I think I think it's absolutely telling because you know, we talk about all the exemptions. You, like, if you're on the PGA Tour, you get to go to Augusta, right? And there's probably some people over the course of time who have known that and didn't end up winning the tournament because they knew that, right? Yeah. It's like if they didn't know that, you find out after the fact, it's just icing on the cake. So I'll definitely be rooting for her at uh, the U.S. Women's um, Open this year for sure.
1: Yeah. T-Dub, tell us about the Chevron because I know we had Cupcho who was in that famous battle with Maria Fosse back in the first ANWA in, in 2019.
4: So, yeah, so it looked like Cupcho. she had a six-shot lead going into Sunday, and she ended up only winning by two strokes. Um, Jessica Corda, not Nellie Corda, Jessica corda was able to make a pretty good run at her, and I, I was watching a little bit of cupcho at the end. It, it was nice because, you know, they were playing in California, so we were able to get a little bit of late-night coverage to watch it, but I'm trying to pull up her scorecard here to make it official, but two holes on the back nine, back-to-back, I think it was 13 in particular. She had like a 25-footer, Sam, and... I have never seen a putt miss red bigger than this in my entire life. I mean, it was downhill. She missed it like four feet left and hit it eight feet by. It was one of the worst putts I had seen in some time. And then she ended up missing the next putt. And then I think it was the next hole, maybe two holes later, she misses another short putt for par. I mean, and you could tell she kind of shoved into it, right? But then she's able to to com- to compartmentalize and to able to grind it out. And she able to build a big enough lead to where she wasn't have that pressure on her, you know, coming into seventeen and eighteen, because she was still able to go bogey, bogey, and finish. And, and it it helped that uh, that Jessica Corda was didn't she played one over the last eight holes that she played, right? So you know, she if she was able to make a little bit of a run at her, probably would put a little more pressure on Cup Cho. But still, it's great to see. And you know, I mentioned it on on the uh, last podcast we did. She was going off at like sixty to one. I mean that that
1: was an awesome bet, you and, and it. I didn't bet, and I didn't bet it. You didn't bet it, but I, you mentioned it. I, I did. Someone so might have bet it because of you? So,
4: hopefully someone bet
1: it. Hopefully I did. I, 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 I lost a pizza this week to Colby because I had the Coes versus the field, and that did not hit.
4: Well, when you got when you got two players versus a hundred and something, and we're the the best uh, best golfers in the world, you're fighting an uphill battle, especially when Jin Young Co the first round shoots the old bo- a birdie free seventy four two over two bogeys. 16 pars that's I don't know about you Sam that's so frustrating when you you know whenever yeah. you go through there and you can't get anything to fall, so frustrating.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I totally agree with you on the lag putts by Cupcho. I mean, I'd be lagging it up there if I were if I were her, right? Tito? Yeah, get it within. I'm yeah. I'm well. I don't know. It's how you talk about your short putting. You might hit it to eight feet by <laughs> and try to make it. Yeah, I got a little Zalatoris syndrome. Um, but talking about best bets, your best bet in Oklahoma City as far as dentistry goes is Ring Family Dentistry. They go out of the way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible leading edge technology same day crowns implants clear liner orthodontics Oklahoma City's best dentistry I know Phil and Brennan Ring personally they are great guys I played on a Little League baseball team T-Dub with Brennan Ring and we were both catchers so I've known him for a long time and I love this every time I get to do this ad read T-Dub he's a dentist and I'm a podcaster who started if y'all are both catcher <laughs> who started I played first sometimes. He's, he was better than me. He played all the way up into high school and stuff like that. I chose golf. <laughs> Which one of y'all hit bombs? I hit the bombs. I hit the bombs. He was a little, he was a little smaller growing up. He, but, was, he was a
4: position guy. Yeah, An but he,
1: type. he was a great, great field. An Ichiro catcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, coming up real quick, T-Dub, I just got the text. I got the text oh, from our man, Jim Woodward. So we're going to have to pause the podcast, and coming right up is our man, Woody. And now we welcome on our man who we have on every major week is Jim Woodward. Now, Woody, Colby obviously not with us today because he had his first child, Layla Jade Powell, was born eight pounds. Dana is doing amazing, the wife of Colby Powell, and you were giving us some little insight into uh being a parent right before we got on the podcast Woody what what would be your advice to Colby
0: well he's lucky he had a boy uh boys are a lot easier to girl raise
1: girl, girl it's in my a, opinion
0: Layla, oh it is Layla. a girl yep, yep. oh lord I thought it was a boy so like, he's <laughs> oh, really gonna he is gonna have fun and I hate to tell him I said you know getting married tough but well, once you throw that first child in there, I, I told you guys, it's, it's not like a dog. They don't make it about nine years. They, they go for life, you hope, They're for God willing. And uh, and a girl, oh, my. That's all I got to say about that. I'd rather play Augusta in a 30-mile-an-hour wind than race another girl.
1: <laughs> well, what do they are going to have some wind this week at Augusta. What are your thoughts on as far as the weather goes at Augusta when the wind blows? How does the course play a little different out at Augusta National? Well, you know, we
0: talked about it yesterday morning. Uh, I, I think the hardest hole is 12, simply because the wind gusts in that little valley down in there. Not to, not to say that all the rest of them aren't hard, but that 12 is just such a difficult golf hole. Uh, you, I can tell you this. If that wind blows about 30, you will see a train wreck or two. There will be some guys make seven, eight, nine on the hole. I'm not kidding you. It's just a brutal golf hole. Uh, the front nine, uh, you know, the wind will swirl in there, but it just seems like that back nine is when it creates a lot of fit. But, uh, hey, they're the best golfers in the world. You know, they don't need perfect weather. Heck with that. Let's see them play.
4: Yeah, I, I just hope Woody that you know we saw the the weather have such an impact at uh, at the Players Championship. I hope that the weather doesn't take Augusta because this is the best week of the year, Woody. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So I want it to go as smooth sailing as we can. You know, one thing that that's interesting that's coming up is the first year we're going to have the uh, par three contest um, since uh, since Tiger won in 2019. So what are your thoughts on the par three overall, Woody?
0: Well, I think the par three is a great way for them to just kind of relax if there's such a thing for a major. Um, You know, they let their kids caddy now, which I think is really cool, or their wives or their girlfriends or whatever like that. So, um, you know, there's going to be a year, guys. Somebody's going to win the Par 3 and win the golf tournament. It's just going to happen, even though it's never happened before. um, Maybe 2022 is the year it happens. But I think most of the time they're just trying to relax and have fun out there and see if they can make a hole in one and win some crystals. So, um, it, it's not Masters Week without the Par 3. It's not Masters Week without the fans. So uh, I hope for all of our sakes that COVID is gone and we never talk about that stupid mm-hmm. bug again.
4: What do you alluded to it. We, we've had the, the Par 3 contest besides the last two years in 2017 when it rained every year since 1960, and there's never been someone win the in the same year to win the Par 3 and the Masters. Why do you think that is? Is it just total superstition or what?
0: No, I, I just think that the par three is a fun little deal. And uh, odds are that the guys they are, are going to maybe win the golf tournament aren't that focused on the par three. They're, they don't really care. Like I said, they're killing an afternoon uh, trying to relax and get ready to go. You know, the odds, it, it's just like anything. If you play odds, it, there's 90 guys in the field, something like that, 93, whatever it is this year. Uh, you know, the odds of the one guy winning it and then he went in the big one. Um, I don't think it's superstition. It's not bad luck. If, if I, by chance, by some miracle, had ever gotten to play the Masters, I got to tell you, I'd want to win the par three and I wouldn't think one thing about it. If I could win the next thing, that'd be just icing on the cake. But shoot fire to say that i would throw off not to win the par three uh no 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 i no, totally I agree with you that.
1: woody we've seen guys you know on number nine like five putt on purpose to make sure they weren't in contention to win the thing i would not yeah. do that I, I want that crystal i totally agree real quick on the par three now woody i, I heard that jack nicholas is not gonna play in the par three for the first time in a while uh this right. year um what were your memories of watching jack and arnie and and uh gary player and tom watson at the part three?
0: Oh, i think what you really still saw in those guys is their competitive level e- even though they knew they were too old to play the big course uh that, they'd go out there and grind of course nicholas's grandson making that hole in one that time was uh, you know and jack even said that was his biggest thrill when his when his grandson made a hole in one now you kind of stop and think about that for a minute. Gee, many Christmas. He won the Masters six times, and his biggest thrill was when his grandson made a whole one. Uh, you know, that speaks volumes for what Colby's getting ready to start. When you have kids, uh, life changes. Life changes, and everything seems to revolve more around your grandchildren, your children, everything else. So... I thought that was really cool. That 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 one thing that sticks in my mind. Just to be honest with you. That was really special.
4: You hey, know, I, I absolutely agree with you, there, buddy. So, g- kind of getting into the tournament. Obviously, I think the biggest storyline is that it, we're essentially not officially confirmed, but we're almost as sure the Tiger's going to end up teeing it up on Thursday and giving it a shot. What uh, what are you expecting to see from uh, from the goat this week?
0: Well, you know, what you said is so prevalent, weather. I mean, if we see weather come in, and then it gets a little bit about luck. Uh, What time do you go? Do you go in the morning or the afternoon, and does the stuff come in, just like we saw at the Tournament Players Club? uh, That Tournament Players Championship, if you had the wrong side of the tee times, you really had a tough time winning that golf tournament. That could happen again. At Augusta, and you don't like that to happen. I agree with you. You wish that everybody get a fair fight, but uh, golf's not fair, and it never has been fair, and it never will be fair. So, to me, I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't, you know, determine who wins the golf tournament. But if the wind's blowing, guy, it all comes back to who can flight their golf ball the best, and and that's just what it's going to come down to. Windy conditions create for the best ball striker. That means you can't get away with kinda of hitting a little flutter ball out there or something like that. You better be a good ball striker or you won't have a chance if the wind's
1: blowing. You kind of took my next question away from me there, Woody. I was going to ask when the weather gets tough, whether you would go with a ball striker or a great short game player. I, I tend to agree with you. When the weather gets tough, you always go with the better ball striker. And I think that even at Augusta National, you go with the better ball striker, even though it's known for the greens. But, you know, it's a lot easier to putt when you're closer to the hole. Um, as far as the really solid ball strikers in the golf tournament – I mean, the top three, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, um, even throw in Patrick Cantlay, even though he hasn't been on his best form lately. Who are you looking for this week to have, you know, one of those great ball-striking weeks? Well, if the wind blows, you got to
0: watch Rahm. Rahm is who we hear. Such a great ball striker. Uh, and and it's not like he's a bad putter or chipper either. So if the wind's gonna blow, I tend to I tend to favor the European player a little bit more. I mean, you know, you remember what Chambly was whining that oh it's too windy. What a big was. Demony Christmas. <laughs> I mean too windy. It's never too windy. You you just gotta play through it. So the European guy knows how to keep the ball on the ground. And, Augusta, you can, you can, you you don't necessarily have to throw the ball real high in the air, especially if they get a little rain because the greens will be a little bit softer. So, um, I said yesterday on your little podcast that um, Scheffler, how do you bet against him? He boy's on a roll. He is on a roll. And he can fly his golf ball. He grew up in Austin, Texas. He's played in wind. He knows how to play in the wind also. and And I think that those two – uh, might surprise everybody, and it might be just a dogfight with those boys. Um, I hope not. You know, the most fun about the Masters is going to that back nine on Sunday afternoon and have about ten guys within three shots. Uh, that's when it gets really fun. That's when you want to just pull up a good cocktail and a Cuban and sit down and just watch. I, I can't, can't wait. I'm looking forward to it.
4: Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. By far the most exciting event in, in all of sports. Now, yesterday on the show, Woody, you mentioned a friend of the show, Taylor Gooch, as, as a dark horse chance for you. You know, yep. TG's unfortunately in the category of a first-timer at Augusta, and we haven't seen some a first-timer win win there since Fuzzy Zeller back in 79. So, you know, w- 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 first of all, why do you think that is? And second of all, you know, wh- why, what are you seeing from TG to make you think that he'll be the one to potentially break that trend?
0: Well, you know, Taylor's been on a good roll. Taylor is, uh, Taylor's matured so much. I mean, and, and we talked about this two or three years ago. Everybody was saying, well, he's playing good. Is he ever going to win? Yes, you're, he's going to win. Uh, Taylor Gooch is not John Rom. He is not a world-class player yet. That means he can't become one, but he's solid. He's, he's smart. He plays – he manages his game beautifully – and, again, he knows how to play in the wind also. So he's coming in with a lot of confidence. As for winning the first time, uh, again, it's been done. Fuzzy did it. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of like Dumb and Dumber. You said then I got a chance. And he does. He, he does have a chance. Would he be a favorite? No. What did you say? It was 10,000 to one, wasn't it, Sam, that you said yesterday? Yep. Yep. So uh yeah, that's a that's that'd be called a long shot. But let me tell you something. Bob Tway won the PGA in nineteen eighty six and they thought he was kind of a long shot too. So um if they got their name on their bag and they're playing in the golf tournament, they can win it. I'm just telling you they can win it. Maybe the only ones that don't have a chance is your mid amateur champion and maybe your US amateur champion. Uh, they might not. It's kind of like when you play the PGA and you got 25 club pros or 20 club pros. Odds are they're not going to win the golf tournament. I haven't seen that ever happen, and I don't think we will. But to say that Taylor doesn't have the where for all to pull it off, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't believe it. And I'm going to say he's my long shot. I'm going to hold to it.
4: You know, sticking on the TG train, I had a story come out um, yesterday that uh, TG showed up on the practice range uh, wearing shorts, and he was (laughs) politely asked to put on some rain pants. They even brought him
1: some rain pants.
4: Because they do not allow (laughs) shorts on the course, even for their members, Woody. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well,
0: uh, he forgot to do his homework. Uh, one of the first <laughs> things you do when you go to Augusta is the last thing you want is one of those guys come down there in one of them green jackets and politely saying to you, hey, you broke a rule. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I-, I wish he hadn't told me that story because I thought Taylor was smarter than that. But, but that's, okay. that's OK. He was probably excited. It was a warm day and he figured what the heck. Uh, you know, it's funny. Because uh, this weekend, or la- at the end of the last week, I think it was Friday, I went out to Glarity and gave a golf lesson, and I saw Taylor drive by with some of his buddies. So he was out at Glarity playing golf. I mean, that's what I love about him. He, he, Even when he's home, you know what, he's going to practice, he's going to play golf. But uh, I bet you he never wears those shorts again. You want to bet that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you got in these stories, like first-timer on tour, like, you know, kind of? You know, not really knowing the ropes yet. Do you have any stories from yourself? I will tell you, there's there's a couple that are funny ones for me. I my rookie
0: year, I was playing a practice round in Tucson, and I was trying to get around the golf course as fast as I could. And uh, there was a group in front of me, kind of hold me up. And so I went ahead and just kind of fired one in there on a par three onto the green, <laughs> and it was uh, it was Steve Elkington, and I can't remember the other guy because I can always remember it was Elkington because. I mean, he gave me a go-to-hell look, boys, like you had never seen in your lifetime. And I thought, well, you Australian turd, I, I, I want to get this round over with. I'm going to play. And, and so the problem with me is I've never really been politically correct, Sam. So um, I didn't really think much of it. But Elkington kind of held that against me and in about oh long time afterwards i was down playing blue jack in houston and steve was a member there and we were sitting after the round and he came down and sat down with us because he goes you know what i liked you i didn't like you at first and i said let me guess because i hit into you on that part three and you can bet your bottom dollar that's what was still irritating because i fired (laughs) one in and so he didn't hold the grudge which i was glad but he was still pissed off and that was 15 years later. And I said, well, you know, you got to get over those kinds of things, Stevie. (laughs) So so Woody, where did you hit the shot on the par three? Did you
4: stick it to like three feet? Did you fit in the middle of the green? I mean, give us the full, the full shot by shot here.
3: (laughs)
0: Well, luckily they were kind of on the right side of the green. So I just shot it over there to the left side of the
3: green. And then,
0: I mean, I was actually a tour pro at that time. I knew kind of where my ball was going. So they weren't really in jeopardy. They, I think it just irritated him that some rookie's just kind of blowing through and wanting to play through him. And, uh, and they didn't say much. I just, other than the fact he just looked at me, and goes, uh, You know, uh, we'd have waved you up. And I go, I, You know, I didn't want to bother you guys. I'm in a hurry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to see the golf course for the first time. And they were cordial, but he did give me that, that look that you knew he was not happy with me. And he wasn't, because 15 years later, he's still pissed. <laughs>
4: well, I don't know what it is about some professional golfers, Woody. They they hold grudges like no other. I mean, you, you accidentally step in someone's line. I mean, you'll you'll never hear the end of it from some guys. So let, let's hope. Well, we oh yeah. Let's hope we don't see any of that this week. So let's get into some of the other guys. You kind of alluded to it earlier with Scheffler, and we talked about TG as a dark horse. So give us give us about three to five picks that you think that uh, you know have a great chance to win.
0: Well, you know, we talked about it yesterday morning. I was actually at a golf tournament last week, and my caddy, he, he was a young kid. I loved him. He was funny as he could be. And he said, you know, he was saying, asking me, you know, do I play any or what do I do? And I... I said, Oh, we have fun. I, I do a little podcast back in Oklahoma City, which is really cool with some guys and we pick major champions. He goes, I got it for you. I'm I'm picking the winner for you right now. And he says, It's Patrick Cantley. There's no doubt. He says, In fact, I'll call you Monday morning and just confirm it. I I said, You don't know my number. He says, I'll call Oak Tree and leave a message, told you I was right. So <laughs> he was so proud of himself that he thought that so i'm i'm going with cantley because i mean he thought he was going to win why shouldn't i i mean i've never been that certain and he was dead certain i love i love this week if you're there in the top 10 I, I for the first time the top 10 all being young all being aggressive all wanting to win that major i think one of them will come from the top 10 players in the world now rory's in there too so he's one of the top 10 players in the world also so uh, you know, a lot of pressure on Rory because he's trying to win the Masters and win the Grand Slam. Uh, that just adds that little bit of more to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Speed feels the same when he plays the PGA. He's trying to get a Grand Slam, which we all know there aren't very many guys that have done that. So, I like Cantley. I, I always like that Cameron Smith. You know what? He cuts it so good. And if you talk about Cocky. I mean, he's on a roll too. So, um you know, I, I, if you look at the top ten players in the world, I still strongly believe one of them is going to come from that. I really do, guys.
1: Woody, one of the things we didn't get into on the radio show yesterday, we got into Jordan Spieth, but we didn't necessarily get into his swing changes quite as much. And to me, when I look at Jordan Spieth, I see him playing golf swing and not golf. Now, he did show a little bit of form in the last round at the Valero Texas Open, but, Woody, what are you seeing from him, and what do you think that him and Cameron McCormick are working on trying to get a little more laid off, it looks like?
0: Well, you know, golly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and they kind of have gotten – I guess when George when started out, golf was really easy for George. Everything seemed to go his way. And I think a lot of times when you're playing at that high level, when, when it gets a little south or it goes a little crooked on you, you start searching. And sometimes the harder you search, guess what? The worse you get. Ian e. Baker French was a really good player, a really good friend of mine. He decided he had to learn how to draw it so he could win at Augusta. And let me tell you something, guys. That was in the early 90s, and guess what happened? We never saw him again. Uh, so, boy, you've got to be really careful because I still will tell you to this day, there's no such thing as a perfect golf swing, and there's not. There is a million different ways to get it done. And sometimes when you search for the perfect swing or you search for something that you think is going to help you, we, we've seen him struggling now for a while now. He did win at Valero two years ago, or not this year, but last year. He's still got so much talent with a short game that he can save a lot of mistakes. But I really wish Jordan would go back to just uh, just enjoying the game again and quit worrying about so much about his golf swing. I think he's worried way too much
1: about it. Woody, when a player comes to you – and says they're thinking, too, or you can tell they're thinking too much. They might not tell you that they're thinking too right. much. What is the first thing you would do with a player like that that has the talent to do it, but they're kind of overthinking, kind of paralysis by analysis? Well, and I think that's a great question, Sam. And, and, and I don't really work with any what I call tour pros, uh,
0: mostly because I'm not analytical. I think if you're on the PGA Tour, you're already pretty good. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket science to Absolutely. figure that out. I'd much rather work with their mind because I think that once you're at the level of the PGA Tour, if you lose it, it's really not because of your golf swing. I, I, you know, I always tell people the, the swing fairy doesn't come in the middle of the night and steal your golf swing. <laughs> it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. You don't go to bed one night. And wake up the next day, and that somebody stole your golf swing. Now they can steal your brain. They can. They can. They can completely twist your brain because golf is so difficult. If, if a round takes five hours to play, I think the actual prep to hit the ball and then to actually swing at the ball is very few minutes. It's very few minutes. It might be ten, unless they're really analytical. It might be fifteen. Whatever it is. So let's say it's 15 minutes. Well, that leaves four hours and 45 minutes for you to do what? Think. To get yourself so twisted. You know, you Mm -hmm. think. And I always used to tell my best players, I'd say, hey, do me a favor. After you've prepped, hit the shot, do the best you can. On the walk up, why don't you think about what you're going to have for dinner? Why don't you think about your girlfriend or your wife or your kids or or a trip you're going to take? Do something besides for the next. Ten minutes walking up to the ball, or five minutes walking up to the ball. Overthink what you're about to come do. Um, they're they're world class athletes. They just have to react. Uh, the only thing you can compare it to is uh, you'll see some guys in the NBA lose their shot. I right? don't think they lose their shot, guys, or they, they can't make a free throw. Whatever it might be, they don't. That doesn't all of a sudden just happen. It takes a little bit of time. And it takes just a what I call a little crack, and it doesn't take a big crack, a little crack where you have start to have a little doubt or a little question or a little uh, anxiety, and guess what the crack turns into? It turns into an earthquake. It turns into something that's just really ugly at that point. And uh, if I was ever, if a tour player ever came to me and he says, I want you to help me with my golf swing, you know what I'd tell him, Sam, first thing I'd say is I'd say, well, now, wait a minute. Let's not just jump at your golf swing. Let's talk about how do you prepare and what are you thinking when you play golf now compared to when you thought when you were playing good. And you'd be surprised how many of them, when you do that with them, when they just sit down, uh, Victor Hovland would be the perfect example with his chipping. Victor. How'd you used to chip, dude? What'd you do when you are a kid? What, why is this all of a sudden so difficult for you? Because it's not. You're trying to hit a ball 10, 15, 20 feet. Are you kidding me? You can hit a driver 300 yards on a string and you can't chip a ball 10 feet? That's mental. That's not, that's not analytical. That's not fixing something. Unless he's doing something really crazy, which I just can't imagine he is.
4: Well, you know, you know, Woody, to, to piggy off the, the back of that thought there, you know, like Sam mentioned, Speeth looks like he's playing golf swing and trying to work on that so much. Well, it's pretty ironic that, that Speeth is having by far his worst chipping year and by far his worst putting year, both, while right. he's trying to do this right. golf swing. So, I mean, I, th- I just think right. that perfectly tailors to what you just said.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you can spend so much time and so much effort trying to do something with the golf ball that you forget how to get the golf ball in the hole. And, and last time I checked, guys, you need to remind me, because like I said, sometimes I get old and I forget things. But on that scorecard, is there any place now where you can draw a description of what you did? Because I am pleased played <laughs> enough to tell you, but I, I don't remember it. And I sure haven't heard any telecasts where they said, well, because he did this so well, we're going to take a half a shot off of the score. No, they don't. It, it comes down to as simple as this. You put the peg in the ground on one, and you pick it out of the hole on 18. (laughs) And when you walk off, they say to you, what did you shoot? I don't want to hear a description. I don't want to hear about the labor pains. I just want to hear about the birth, okay? What did you shoot? And that's what it – I'm sorry. That's why I just love golf because it's, it's just so fair. It's right there. Uh, You know, I'm sorry. If you you didn't play good, uh, don't look around to blame your caddy. Don't look around to blame anybody else. That's why you picked off. You're on an island. Figure it out. Either you're a world-class player or you're not. If you're not, go
1: get a job. Great, great insight into the mind of a professional golfer there from our man, Jim Woodward. Hall of Famer, Jim Woodward. Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Jim Woodward. That's exactly right. Now, Woody, like I do every Masters week, I pin you down to your top three and a dark horse. Give it to me. Right, right. Well, I, I told you I'm going with my caddy. I'll go with Patrick Cantley. Yep. Okay.
0: I'm going to have to throw Rom. That's almost not fair. I'm picking two guys from the top ten. But i got to go with Rom simply because I think the weather conditions are going to push it there. And then Taylor, I'm going with him. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm pulling for that little sub gun, even though he wore shorts. He he, he (laughs) kind of dented me a little bit there. I'm saying, come on, Taylor. But but I'm going to move on from that because everybody makes mistakes. I've made a jillion. Uh, I never did wear shorts at the Masters, but – uh, they, I've made my few share of them. But those are my three guys. I think uh, the odds of one of them winning, again, don't go bet, guys. Do not bet on my stupid ticks, But uh, we'll see on Sunday afternoon if I'm even
3: close. Well,
4: dang it, Woody. I already got the mortgage on the line. I, I can't <laughs> lay down. <laughs> and Rahm is a top five. It's already set. Yeah,
0: yeah well, I, I got to tell you, I hope you live in a ten, Because <laughs> that way, if you lose it, it's not going to be a big deal. Well, I might be after this week, so... Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I might want to. You might
1: want to talk to your wife because I think you might be in trouble if you lost the house. Uh, probably so. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Woody, for joining the show. Have a great time watching the Masters this week. You guys too. I look forward to it.
0: And if you need to call me again to tell me my picks are pitiful, I'm all good. Don't worry about it. All
1: right. Have a good one, Woody. See you guys. Bye. Big, big thank you to our man, Jim Woodward, T-Dub. I mean, what a legend Woody is. He just, he's the funniest guy, but at the same time, he's one of the more intellectual, great thinkers about the game of golf we have in our state.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I mean let's let's not give Woody, you know, made him on too much high of a pedestal, but he's extremely intelligent.
1: I mean I mean that, that, that's
4: clear to know. Like I don't want him to come at us and say, you know, you know, he's you know, he's he's very modest, you know. He is. So he's gonna be funny with himself, but at the same time, the stuff that he said about overthinking golf and getting too much in your head and especially in between shots, that right? Stuff that's stuff
1: not only professionals can use, but amateurs as well.
4: Absolutely. I mean, even even when you're just out playing, right? And you're riding in the cart, it's the same concept. Yep. You know, if you're if you're sitting there and you're worried about how your shot how how everything is between each shots. You know. If you're stressing for five hours, that's a lot more strenuous than if you're stressing for 20 minutes. Right. You know, like exactly. he was saying. So exactly. I mean
1: world class information there. You'll only find it on the 73rd hole, Sam. Exactly. You know what else is world class, T Dub, is Groove It Brushes. Go to grooveitbrush.com right now. Enter the promo code 73rd Hole. That's 73 R D H O L E. And get 10% off your Groovit brush. I know that Logan McAllister was using his Groovit brush down at the Valero, Texas Open. You've seen many, many guys on tour with the the caddies love it. They have it on their bag. You just squirt a little water. The water is in the brush, and the brush is huge. It's awesome. It's it's the best brush ever made, Tito.
4: I mean, and I'll say this, too. I played recently, and the course I played was pretty soft. So, you know, when it, you get the mud in the grooves, yep. and so majority of brushes you have, you scrub it, and like the mud just like goes deeper into the grooves. Right? Right, that, right. That does not happen with the grivet brush. I mean, that thing is just like, you give two swipes, that baby
1: is clean as if it was brand new. Exactly, and it speeds up play because I was always a T guy when I played. Like I would cr- clean each groove with my T. It's like nails on the chalkboard, Sam. It that is. noise it makes. It you is, don't get that with the Groovit brush. It is, but I always just liked how clean it was when I did it. But, the Groovit brush, you just give it a couple swipes and it's as clean as it is with the T. Exactly. So, T-Dub, we haven't talked about the PGA tournament from last week. The PGA Tour tournament from I, last week. Sam,
4: I think this is the longest show that we've done where... our <laughs> the, the recap show where we didn't recap the damn PGA
1: Tour event. I mean, it's just... Not it's so high high on the list
4: it's, yet. and it doesn't help that I mean it was wasn't an entertaining tournament I guess yes but whenever you have the masters overloom in the week ahead it's just such a big letdown. But let's shout out JJ Spawn. I mean one by two strokes got in the, got in the masters by far the biggest part of that. You know, we got our boy Matt Jones. I don't know. I don't think we have the the sound key because Matt Jones. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, like we mentioned,
1: Kobe Col- Col- is gone. We both have Roguecasters casters and his has the hot button, the hot key with the Matt Jones sounder. So I'll give it to you. Matt
4: Jones. It, there it is. It's
1: not as good, but pretty close. So, let, let, <laughs> so let's
4: look at Matt Jones here. So, Sam, he missed a three foot four inch par putt on 16, and that was in the miss. He birdied 14, he birdied 15, had a great shot in there. 15 is a really hard hole, and then he birdied 17 right after that. Hit a awesome what was that? Uh, it says 105 feet bunker shot. He hit that thing to two feet. That's a that was a hard shot. But you look at this, Sam. He lost by two, missed that three footer on um, 16, and then going into 15, or I'm sorry, 18, which was playing as the 15th easiest hole. That's why I said 15. He wasn't able to birdie. I mean, he hit it to – a he ended up hitting it way right and then had to get up and down hit it to 11 feet, yep. wasn't able to do it. So, you know, I think we look at it. He shot six under, obviously one of the best rounds – of the day, but you got to think Matt Jones is kicking himself today. And, you know, Matt Kuchar had a chance to to get it done as well because he was in the middle of the fairway on 18 and hit a really, really poor second-shot hybrid. You could tell he mishit it as soon as he hit it, came up short in the creek, was able to make a par. And J.J. Spawn kind of got a little bit lucky on 18, Sam, because his drive on 18 was so far left, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Back when I played there that area was pretty densely trees. So it it, it looks like they cleared out a lot
1: of areas there, which was very helpful to him because he was able to hit a shot. Not only trees out there, it's like cacti and all sorts of stuff. And
4: it's, and it's rocks too, like down. So, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about if your ball's by a branch or a root, you uh-huh. know, and you hit it, it's going to hurt your wrist. The same contest with rocks. It's like imagine hitting off of a cart path and you didn't know you are hitting off of the cart path. You know, you're going to try to take a divot. You go in there. Not only are going to damage your club, which these pros don't really have to worry about too much, but you're going to end up hurting yourself. So I, I definitely think that it makes the missing the fairways even that much harder.
1: Yeah, big congratulations to JJ Spawn played his college golf at San Diego State University and now he gets to take a flight to Augusta. I bet he's already there today. I bet he took it last night um, and will play in his first Masters. Um, So I want to talk about other guys that should be kicking themselves because we had a weird another weird strokes gain tournament T-Dub. This was very interesting to me. Now on the tournament it looks pretty normal as far as J.J. Spawn. I mean Gained over half a shot putting around the green approach and off the tee, right? So that's solid. But in round four, J.J. Spawn actually lost over half a shot strokes gained approach, which we don't normally see from a winner. And then the other guys that I think really should be kicking themselves in this golf tournament are number one, Adam Habwin, gaining over a shot on the field strokes gained approach, but lost almost a half a shot on the greens wow. this week. And so he sh- thinks in his mind probably that he should have been going to Augusta national. And then the guy I was rooting for T dub Charles Howell the third with a weird week for him. Normally he's pretty solid on the greens, but lost a half a shot on the greens this week and gained over half a shot Strokes gained approach and gained 1.45 off the tee. Charles Howell gained 1.45 shots off the tee this week in San Antonio. And then the third guy that I want to mention that should be kicking himself, that, that probably thinks he should be playing at Augusta, it, it, considering his first three rounds, is Bo Hostler. You know, Bo Hostler lost 3.32 shots. Strokes gained approach in the final round. Wow! In the final round, T Dub, golly! I mean, it, to me, I, I don't, I don't even like Bo Hostler, and to me, that's one of those things that's just pressure. It has to be pressure. He had to be thinking about, you know, if I win, I go to Augusta, because if I look at his first three rounds, in round one, Bo Hostler. I guess it, it, in, in round in round one, Bo Hostler actually lost 2.56 shots, strokes gained approach, and he was still in the lead. TW, and- it, it's so weird, but he gained two and two in the second and third round. So it kind of balanced out his first round and then he went back to the bad uh, approach play in the fourth round.
4: Well, you look at it and losing 3.32 approach and you still shoot even par. That's pretty impressive, pretty when, impressive. You, when you think about it. He gained over two strokes chipping, which means that he probably chipped in at least once, maybe twice. And he gained 1.72 strokes game putting this week, one of the highest in the field. But you know, Sam, we, we noticed it at, um, at Pebble Beach too, right? I mean, he had a chance with, I believe he eagled uh, 18, he would have gotten into a playoff,
1: right? And in, and he hit it into the right bunker,
4: right bunker, and then proceeded to three putt, which cost him about three hundred thousand dollars. Hit right? it out of
1: the bunker and three putted, and cost me in DraftKings as yeah. well,
4: and p- boosted Colby up in the one and done because he sp- picks beat the one time that he plays good in the last exactly. three years or whatever. Exactly. So, so yeah, it that's something that it's like Steve Smith said, you know, losing is like. Cigarette smoke. It lingers whether whether you know it or not. Which Steve Smith said this? The the, NBA the, or NFL? The Panthers one. Okay, I, there's so many Steve Smiths. Uh, <laughs> you talk about a generic name. I mean, my God. But I want to go back to the Charles Halp, uh point, Sam, you're talking about because. Ever since I can remember, he's besides Tiger, he's been one of my favorite players out there. Even growing up a big OU fan, I've always loved Charles Howell. Always loved him. And looking at the analytics here, Sam, going back, we start keeping these tallies in in 2004. So he obviously played every year on tour. He's only had three years where he lost lost strokes, gained putting. And
1: unfortunately, one of those years is this year. So I think that the putter... He still shot 10 under on the tournament and still lost a half a shot putting this week. I, like I said, one point four five
4: off the tee. So he's not only putting the ball in place, hitting bombs too. Yeah, which is good. And I, I would, I want to see Charles Howe win again. Because, bombs for Charles Howe. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's not getting out there, Bryson speed yeah. training. I don't think so. But he's he's putting it out there. Good for him. And you know, he's like the ultimate player, right, Sam? When you look back on his career, and you're like, how did this guy not win more? You know, it's like he's he's been a steady player yep. for twenty something years now on the tour. He's won what four times, I believe, something like that.
1: Yeah. And he's but, always just a guy that I'm rooting for. I, I know that. Not only has he been on, on my dad's show, he has a bunch of Oklahoma connections, not only played at Oklahoma State, but his wife is from here. I know he goes and spends time a lot of times in Kingfisher. We'll hang out with the Johnsons out there, who my dad does those remotes for out in Kingfisher. But, yeah, T-Dub, it, it does seem like you know Charles Howell's been doing it for so long. I mean, he's made more money than you know he knows what to do with, right? But he hasn't won... Quite enough, and and why do you think that is? Well, I
4: think in all honesty, looking at looking at this just real quick, one of the probably most disappointing things about Charles' Howe's career. He 's only got one top ten in a major, and that was two thousand and three p j right? championship yeah his best master's finish is thirteenth his best u s open finish is eighteenth best open is twenty eighth wow. and his best pj is tenth so you know it 's a to you know I guess never I not know that. never cracked the top nine the single digits of a major with how many opportunities he 's had truly remarkable to and me.
1: how well he 's been playing headed into those majors
4: and let 's pull this up here, Sam, where do you think I punched in career and i 'm already on the career money list where do you think? Charles Howell ranks in all time money on the PGA Tour.
1: All time money on the PGA Tour, he would have to rank twelfth,
4: twenty second. Twenty second. I a, was a
1: little high, but I knew it was somewhere up there in the top, you know, twenty five. Forty
4: one point six million over his career. Million. He's he's ahead of guys like Ricky Snedeker, Hideki Kepka, Kevin Na, Luke Donald, who's number one in the world. He's that out of Kepka. Yeah, wow. ahead, of, ahead of Paul Casey, Patrick Reed, Rory Sabatini. That, that's kind of a shocker there. Rory Sabatini's 30, 31st on the money list, $35 million over his career.
1: I wouldn't have thought that. He just, you know, played solid for a lot of years.
4: And, and you know, obviously we have the whole inflation thing and the Tiger
1: effect, right? right? So, I mean, you know, we're not Charles included. Charles Howell was a beneficiary of the Tiger effect, right? Yeah. Because he's played in both, you know, he'd never really played before Tiger.
4: But they, but they don't pay you for missing cuts, right? So, right. I mean, you know, he's getting up there and, like we would, have, we want to see him do a little bit better in a major. But I really do hope that we just see him win
1: just another regular tour event. How again. old is Charles Howell?
4: I'm um, on the Wikipedia page now. He is 42.
1: 42. Uh, so June got, 20th birthday. He still has time. He seems older than that to me for some reason.
4: He does. He's been out there for so long. just. He was the young generation before the young generation was a thing, right? Right. I mean, he was out there young twenties, just balling out and. You know, I knew he was born in Georgia, he's born in Augusta, Georgia. I wonder how far away from Augusta National he was actually born.
1: Yeah, no, I knew that and and that's why I always root for him to make uh the Masters every year. Uh speaking of the Masters and Strokes gain, T dub, Data Golf has this interesting article. They they do these articles with uh with graphs on them if you ever go on Data Golf and it says peaking for Augusta. Now, they have this graph and you can click on each winner of the Masters dating back to 1997. Obviously, that was Tiger. And you can see 100 weeks leading up to the Masters and 100 weeks after the Masters and seeing how guys, their games trended leading up to Augusta and whether they went up or down as far as the graph goes after Augusta, 100 weeks after now, tell us a little bit about this, T-Dub, and, and what were some surprises to you?
4: So, so essentially, the graph goes off of how you play before the Masters, and then right at Augusta time, and then up to a year past the point. And this
1: has every single round they've played, 100 weeks, before and after.
4: Yes, and so it has it has each winner from since 1997 back to when Hideki won last year. And you can also select any player that's in the field this year so you can comparatively see well who's got a great chance at, at winning this year. So, you know, you look at look at most of the guys Sam and the most shocking thing is just how ridiculous Tiger was, right? I mean, yeah. l- look at this in 2001 and 2005. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous how much better he was. than Because than the, they show a line here,
1: which is the median <laughs> of
4: past champions, and he is just a, breaks the graph. The He's, line
1: is about gaining 1.45, right? Yeah, one right, point, right in between 1 and 2, essentially. Yeah, it, almost 1.5 uh, is the mean line, right? And then um, Tiger in 2001, was gaining two and a half. So he was a shot better per round than you know all of these past Masters champions leading up to Augusta. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, and I think, you know, clicking on this Tiger 2001, you know, not to get too sidetracked here, but a lot of people forget Ever after he won that Masters 2001,
1: was kind of a slump year for him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can see the graph goes straight down right after Augusta. Then it goes back up a little bit, like about 50 weeks after the Masters, it starts going up. Yeah,
4: peaking at the right time there, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, a, an ironic fact that a lot of people don't won't remember is that Southern Hills was the first major Tiger didn't win in like uh, 14 months or whatever. So, I mean, that's – unbelievable there but yeah I think that was really shocking there and you look you look at most of the guys with the exception of like the Danny Willits or the Charles Schwartzels, most of these guys are just you see their graph right before the Masters it's just almost like a a mountain right they're just they're peaking the first month or two before and you know I click on other players that are in the field this this week to figure out a little bit of correlation you know someone I wouldn't think Daniel Berger is a very similar line comparatively um Kepka is actually a very dissimilar line than I would have thought. Um DeChambeau is the same way, definitely trending in the wrong direction. Um Cantley, one who Woody's pick is actually pretty far above the line, but he's coming back closer down to the line these last couple of months. So right. technically getting closer to where the winning average is, but getting worse at the same time. So, you know, that's a little bit disheartening. But I'm gonna go with uh, the cat I mean, Woody's going with the caddy, I might as well too. Um Rory is Rory this year is essentially like You could just trace the two lines and they're almost the same. So, you know, I think Rory, analytically wise, is going to have a good chance. So, you know, I think we could go through this all day. Here's just another pick. Shawfla, similar to Cantlay, um, higher above the line, but coming back more down. So, kind of trending in the wrong direction. One of the best, one of the most popular, Scotty Scheffler, been right on the line. And then this last month just skyrocketed above it, essentially. So, definitely look out for him. And, I mean, just how in depth these analytics can get, Sam, it's just truly, truly ridiculous. And, it's no wonder that this is an extra element to why and I understand looking at that you're not really going to be able to better your game a lot but having these analytics like this are one of the reasons why pros are getting so much better right. than they than they were
1: I think one of the more interesting facts about this is looking at Hideki he's actually gotten better since winning at the Masters last year
4: yeah he won the uh, you know he won the Zozo um, last year in January or not in January in Japan I mean
1: and so I, it it what it's was just th- weird because we haven't seen him win that much, right? He won the Zozo, but we just he hadn't been in contention recently. But his game is actually better heading into this Masters than it was last year.
4: Well, and tell me what you think about this, Sam. So he withdrew on before Friday's round at San Antonio with a neck injury. And they showed a picture of Tiger yesterday, and Hideki was in the background there practicing. So, I mean, yep. it's like, why are you even going to play the week before if you're going to play one round, shoot three over, and then leave? Like, I don't understand the point in that.
1: Maybe he just likes to play the week before. But um,
4: Well, he, well, I will say this. He played the week before last year, finished 30th at the Valero, and then ended up winning right, for next year, right. or next week. So.
1: so he might just say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, the other surprise of this graph to me is – Bubba Watson, we always talk about how he wins the Masters and then you don't hear about him, right? Not necessarily the case. In 2012, he actually got uh, about almost a half a shot better after winning the Masters 100 weeks later. And then in 2014, he got you know almost a half a shot again better after winning the masters a hundred weeks after it's pretty interesting to look at this and just because guys don't contend in tournaments doesn't mean that their game as far as the analytics go, is getting worse.
4: Now, I want to get into a little bit more of the analytics here, Sam. But we always talk about with Bubba. He's got those handful of courses that he just loves, and he's going to play well there. If he's playing on a course he doesn't like, that him, he
1: dominates. But according to the analytics here, he actually plays solid golf other places. He no. just doesn't contend.
4: So, what are your thoughts on his chances this week? Augusta's one of the chance, or one of the courses that he loves.
1: Um, you know, I I, I kind of consider Bubba Watson in the same group as Phil. You always give give him a chance, right? At Augusta National. A better chance than, say, you know, a top 20 player who might be playing better than Bubba at the time. I give Bubba the nod in that, you know, scenario. Uh, just because he loves this place so much. Right, t Yeah,
4: so just pulling up Bubba here real quick. Having one of his worst approach years on tour, um, he's always been a pretty pretty bad putter. Um, so he's kind of about the same as he is there. Best chipping year he's had. Standard, uh, uh, yeah. Yes, any time that we say this, yeah. like, we're not going to say, oh, he's going to go out there and miss four-footers all day. No, that's right. not the case. But one of the most telling things here, Sam, is that his off the tee. Um, strokes gains. It's only 0. .42, and going back, is 0. .72. All the way back in 2015, is 1.31, and 2012 is 1.65. So, I mean... Well, I mean, he's just getting older. Right? I, he is, but and you look at it here, too. He's losing more distance. He's actually hitting it the straightest he ever has. Yeah. So, I don't really know how that transitions into... I don't
1: know if I'd put a lot of stock into those numbers for Augusta. So,
4: you think about it, if... Well, I mean, we talked about earlier with Woody, right? Would you rather have a ball striker or a chipper whenever the conditions get tough? When we said ball striker, well, yep. you know, he's having his best chipping year, but his worst ball striking year. So right. I'm going to go ahead and probably, Knock I mean, him you out. Might...
1: yeah, just because of the weather. But then you give him a little bit of a nod on experience.
4: Yes, and I mean, it. Anytime you're a golfer and you get to a place that you love, it just rejuvenates you in a sense, right? It's right. you find a little extra something. So. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me on, on this one, but the first round is always so important at Augusta. So, I mean, if Bubba can get out to, to uh, you know, shoot three or four under, depending on the weather, obviously. But, uh, you know, if he gets out to a good start, you never know, Sam.
1: The last surprise I have is that Patrick Reed is actually playing better golf right now than he was, like, by a wide margin, by almost .6. Right now than he was before he wanted at Augusta National. That's pretty crazy, ain't it? And I would we not consider have thought him in a slump.
4: I I mean you look at it and he's really not having a very good year at all. And so he's you know you look at it right here so ever since what was this 37 weeks out so you know he's been on a fairly decent decline coming in. So you know I, it's interesting that he was in bad form and then was able to win, but then at the same time it's I mean he hasn't shown us anything of late. So
1: I right. I, I I don't know but once again one of those guys that really loves this place. So you just never know him. The one outlier of the past champions at Augusta is obviously Danny Willett. He dropped off the face of the earth after he won the Masters.
4: What's What's funny, too, is that last night I was sitting there and I was thinking back on which year. Uh, the Masters well, champions per And, and Trevor year. Immelman. I,
1: Trevor, <laughs> yeah. and
4: those are like the two names that I was getting to. And it's like I couldn't remember – who won? And it's like, I, I'm usually pretty quick <laughs> off that thing. Yep. And I'm like, who won? I was like, Speeth won in 2015. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Spieth hit it in the water on tw- oh, no, in 2016. So then who won? Oh, yeah, it was Danny Willett. And so it's, it's similar to the um, Greg Norman 96 thing. It's like a lot of people think when you hear 1996, you think of Norman losing the six-shot lead. But in this case, it's the fact that Speeth made the seven or eight or whatever it was on hole 12. for Will And Willett shot 67 in the final round, too. So, you know, you got to give him a little bit of credit for that.
1: What do you think of Onhel uh, Cabrera's chances this week? Oh my god! <laughs>
4: well, what's funny too is that you know Phil's been getting so much slack in the in the pub or whatever, and our man Angel's literally in
1: jail, dude.
4: So I mean, it's I don't I don't I don't know the full story about what happened down there. It Doesn't sound good from from what I understand. from what
1: I'm hearing. You know, and I have some pretty decent sources. I think that Phil will be back before the PGA.
4: Could you imagine? Two months ago, I would have bet. I guess not two months ago. Right after the Phil comments were made, I would have... I would have The exact same confidence I had of Tiger not playing in the Masters is what I would have had for Tiger yeah. and Phil to not play I the PGA. You,
1: yeah, what if I told you when Phil Mickelson won the PGA that Tiger was going to play in the Masters this year and Phil wasn't? That's,
4: I would have <laughs> thought we entered a parallel universe.
1: So, is, the Mandela effect would be real. That is insane. So we haven't talked much about Tiger today. Obviously. That's unbelievable. I know. It's crazy, right? We just had a lot to get to. But let's end the show on Tiger. Now he was out at Augusta yesterday. Had a sweet peach shirt on for the, you know, everything in Atlanta. If you've ever been there, there's like Peach Street, Peach Ave, Peach all this stuff in Georgia. There's right? no
4: peach ice cream sandwiches yeah.
1: though. <laughs> there's no peach ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> that's a fact. Uh, you know, thanks Biden or whatever. But uh, anyways, anyways, um, Tiger, it was out at Augusta playing. Yeah, you know, I mean practicing out on the range, and he looked good to me. It, I I think that the people who think that Tiger Woods is just going to go out there and dink it around 280, I I, I totally just can't fathom the fact that people are like, wow, he's actually hitting it like 300 yards. Well, obviously, he's not going to play in the Masters if he doesn't think he has a chance to win. This isn't this isn't uh you know Patrick Reed we're talking about. This isn't Charles Schwartzel we're talking about. This is Tiger Woods. He's not going to play in the Masters unless he thinks he has a chance to win. And I'll
4: be honest with you, whenever whenever I was so on the side of that he wasn't going to play, that's the reason I thought he wouldn't, right? I, was, I didn't think there was any way that his swing could be like it is now. Even at what we saw at the PNC, it was great, but at the same time, you had the the walking element into it. I don't think there's any chance. And I am so in on Tiger playing. Like, if there's for any reason that there's a setback he play, I'm going to be so deflated. Oh, my God. I just – I won't be able to deal with it,
1: Sam. So I won't be able to. Yeah, obviously, we did our radio show yesterday. We, we had the news that Tiger said he's going to be a game-time decision uh, for the Masters this week. We do know that we will hear him tomorrow at 11 a.m. Uh, is that Eastern time? Yeah, Eastern time, Eastern time, yes. Eastern time so 10 o'clock time. Talk about must-watch television. yeah. So we he will be at Augusta in the press room at 10 a.m. our time. Um, what do you expect to hear from him tomorrow in that press conference? You think
4: we'll hear a commitment?
1: I think so. Pro- well, to me, I think it would look bad for Tiger to draw it out all the way and have the pairings and everything and then pull out. But he does have a pretty good excuse if he does that. So I'm not going to look down on him too much if he does do that. Um, I'm interested to hear what he'll say. Um, I think the only reason why he said that he's a game-time decision is in case he does have a setback. I thought you put it great on the radio show yesterday where it's one of two things, right, T-Dub? It's either he's ready and he just said he's game-time because, you know, just in case, or he's not ready and he's trying to get there. I don't think that's the case. I
4: think it's the first one, too.
1: Yeah, I I I, I think that...
4: Because you talk about like if he came out, if, let's because we were kind of joking. He'd get on Twitter and just say, "I'm back, baby," or whatever. Yeah. You know, like it would, well, I mean, it, it would
1: break Twitter. He'd win the pip instantly. I, I he'd win it for the next
4: ten years. What if he, he just he, said, "I'm back"? Oh my god, I was I was waiting for it. I, I was Me waiting too. for it to happen. So you know, like I said, if he did that, it would be an absolute work. But I think tomorrow, Sam, I'm looking at is he just going to do the roundabout of you know I'm I'm working to rehab. You know, I think I, you know I'm trying to play. I don't know. Then we're going to no. hear something Wednesday. I mean, it's I'm really confused by.
1: Well, yeah, okay. There's two different questions here. It's what's in Tiger's mind. In Tiger's mind, I think he's going to win the golf tournament. In his mind, now tomorrow, just in case there's a setback on Wednesday or something, he might just keep it a game time decision. You know, I'm I'm continuing the you know process that like I'm going to play, and we'll see how I feel on Thursday morning or something like that. We might hear that. But in Tiger's mind, T Dub, I guarantee you that Tiger Woods thinks he can win the Masters. And that's scary. When for you, other players. Do you think Tigers ever teeded up in any tournament at any level and just said, you know what? I'll be happy to finish top ten? No, not or since top he was – no, no, never. I mean I don't, he don't, started, even, think he, I don't even think he did when he was eleven. No, not even six. He yeah. went out and won his club championship, what, when he was, like, five years old?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then with the Winnebago over by the side, too. So. Yeah, exactly. uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, – so Tiger's not teeing it up just to go there and make a cut and to make an appearance. So he's going to try to win. And, you know, they said it pretty good on the Golf Channel. It was, you know, something I hadn't really thought about where – This isn't only his best chance to win a major at Augusta, but it's his best chance to win any tournament, right?
1: I think that's number one in Tiger's mind. I think that he still has 19 on his mind, whether he says it to the public or not. And I think that Tiger's not going to waste a Masters where he might be able to play. I don't think he'd be able to live with himself if he gave up and didn't play this Masters.
4: And, you know, obviously the the games are at different points, but, you know, Kepka won four majors in a two-year span, so... And that's how far Tiger is away from Jack. So I mean, it's not absurdly out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I'd be absolutely, I would be pretty shocked if he did. But at the same time, if if Kepka can do it, and some of these other guys, I mean, Padre Carrington won three out of five majors. If Padre Carrington can do it, Tiger could win. He could do the Grand Slam again
1: if he wanted to. So, so right now, I give Tiger a legitimate chance if healthy, at twenty more majors, right? So, five more years. So, five more years. He's 46 years old. I give him a chance until he's 51. Okay. That's, that sounds probably That sounds close. reasonable, right? Yeah. and If I'm, healthy. I mean... So, you're telling good. me that he's just going to give up one-twentieth of his chance to get to 19 this year? I, I think that that's why he is coming back. And he can say it's all about, you know, my family wanted me to do it. That's great. And I guarantee you he wouldn't have done it if his family didn't want him to do it. But... In the past few years, when things have gotten a little dicey for Tiger, we haven't heard him talk about 19 quite as much, but you know in his mind he wants it.
4: Well, and, you know, thinking about this too where it's, you know, Tiger's 46 now, and if he was, let's just go nine years or ten years where he's 55 or whatever. Like, is he going to win a U.S. Open or PGA Championship? Probably not. Probably not. Would I be absolutely astonished if he won a a Masters at 55? Probably not. Yeah,
1: so then that cuts it down to only 10 more majors.
4: Yeah, So well, if you you go five more years, uh, and I don't know, depending on the course, he may not be able to contend at certain majors. Although
1: PGA Southern, he could win at Southern. Uh,
4: Southern's the type of course that he
1: could, right? I would say if it
4: was at Whistling Straits, probably not, or Aaron Hills where the U.S. Open was. He's probably not going to have a chance to win there. But depending on whether at the Open Championship, he'll have a a chance there. And you know, one of the reasons I... Think that he has a chance to keep playing Augusta for another ten to fifteen years is look at look Bernhard Langer, Freddie Couples. You know, obviously they weren't winning the tournament, but I mean, um, just a couple years ago, Miguel Angel and Bernhard finished top five, and they were both above fifty. So it's like it—that's the ultimate place to where age does not matter, and as much as it favors that would be a
1: shot in the dark. I'm saying I give Tiger. Is it more of a shot in the dark that he'd win this week? Well, th- this week's an outlier. D- disregard this so, week. I'm talking about, but it, it's not an outlier in the fact that I think that Tiger thinks he has four or five more masters that he can legitimately contend at, and, I, I, and this is like a half of one of those.
4: Yeah, I, I think that just just to piggyback off that point, I think that you're you're pretty cl- you're pretty right on the five years for all the majors. I think that depending on the Open Championship course and. And obviously with Augusta, I think Augusta, he thinks that he may, maybe has
1: 10 more Masters to win. Probably, yeah. That's probably what he thinks. But in reality, do you agree with that? And,
4: and a lot of it depends on, too, what, what Augusta keeps doing with, with the course, right? Because right. what they Tiger-proofed it after 2005 or 2006 or whenever, Tiger didn't win for 14 years, right? Yeah. So, obviously, that had some effect on him. We've seen a change. We didn't even talk about that, Sam. What do you think of 11 now?
1: I like it. I think I, it's a I better really, hole. I, think it's, I, I totally agree with the changes. I think that the hole is what it was meant to be. I don't think it was meant to be some impossible driving hole if the wind's off the left, yeah. right? Because most of the time in, uh, down in Augusta, the wind is off the left on that hole or into off the left, and it was just, you know, the OBs left and then it was jail on the right. You gotta give some guys some room on the right side and I like that they did that because it's a more entertaining hole and it's more of what Alistair McKenzie and Bobby Jones wanted the hole to be with that second shot. Going over the water to that great green complex.
4: Well, and now nowadays most everyone fades the ball right off the tee. So right. it's when you got the into off the left, that ball's going to go to the right, no matter right. what you do. Well, so I mean, and, we and, saw
1: Tiger hit it in the secret fairway over there in 2019. Like every
4: time. <laughs> yeah. and, and the problem was was that the trees on the left didn't allow you to aim left. Right? You had yep. to hit it
1: through the chute and then make it come back. So exactly. Absolutely love the so, change. Well, it, by the way, if you haven't seen the changes, they moved the tee box about 30 yards to the left. Of where the T box was. And a right? little back. And a little back. And then they took out quite a few trees, a lot of trees on the right side. There's still a few. Um, but it's more fairway and more room on the it's right more, side. To miss. More like so kind it's of a straighter in, hole, and there's more room on the right side.
4: Yeah, and there's the trees that are there. there there's still some trees way to the right, almost where Tiger's secret fairway yeah, was. Is right. now trees, and they have kind of individual trees on the right side of the fairway. So you're not hitting the off the fairway, pine, in, in the, the fairway. fairway. Yeah. yeah, you're not hitting off the pine straw. You're able to hit kind of a more creative shot, play it more out to the right, and let it come down. Right. So I
1: think that that's one of my favorite parts about Augusta is that guys can miss off the tee now you can get totally screwed behind a tree behind one of those big dogwood trees or whatever they you know down there um the big pine trees and but most of the time you see guys in the trees they have some sort of shot right and and it's and it's always interesting to see what guys do because if you miss in the wrong place around those greens it's death right it's a big red x on on the yardage book but the other thing is, you can pull the shot off, like Phil did on 13 when he won the Masters. right? Yeah.
4: And, and, you know, there's certain certain fairways, like, like for example, whenever I think of two, right? Like, I never see anyone hit it left on that hole and then able to go at the green, right? You're always having to hit it out in the fairway and replay. But there's right. like holes like like 11, 13, um, even, 15, I guess you lay up, but... You know, even on seven, even like you're not going to have a great chance of hitting the green, but you can hit a. But even on
1: fifteen, you can miss left, but you can still have that. You know, you can hit a big swooping draw if you have to. Tiger did a few years ago. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, so it's definitely doable, but. I agree with you on the sense of yeah you can that's one of the reasons why I love Augusta so much right it's I, I don't like these courses where if you hit a one shot offline you got to re tee like every time right it's yep. like there needs to be a few holes where you have a little bit of leeway and can make a recovery shot after that and the that's, thing
1: about Augusta now I'll argue till I'm red in the face that you don't have to shape the ball as much as you used to talking you know to the, all the old heads out there that. You know, they want to be able to shape the ball. I mean, Tiger and Jack included, they loved shaping the ball. I think the greatest players in the world shape the ball. Now, you don't have to at Augusta, but the thing that makes Augusta great is that it's beneficial to shape the ball at Augusta National, right? I mean, and we. but the thing is why I say you don't have to is because of guys like Martin Keimer who lost their game trying to, you know, hit a draw to play Augusta National. I don't think you have to do that.
4: No, I, I mean, it's like like more coward, right? Is he going to try to start hitting a draw to play Augusta? No, no I mean, he's going to be able to hit a fade and iron shots all the way down there. And I think Tiger made a really good point a few years ago that I hadn't really thought about where it's – a lot of times people think about working the ball into the greens, and I do think that's probably the most important. But – working the ball off of the tee to land the ball against the slope of the fairway, right? Mm-hmm. To allow it to stay in. So, like, you know, a lot of people will hit the draw on um, on 10 to get it to run, right? And that's right. the hole that you do it on. But, for example, I'm trying to think of some other holes off the top of my head where the fairway is tilted. A well, of, you know, Number
1: number three sticks out to me. If you hit it on the right side of that fairway, it's flatter. But if you hit it, you know, in the middle to the left side of the fairway, it kicks down left and you have a blind, almost a blind little chip shot up there.
4: I'd say the the best one's coming off my head is seven, right? The fairway, seven, so the yep. slopes left to right, yep. and it's if you can hit a draw. Fourteen
1: is a great example. Fourteen too. is another good one too, yep. and, and that goes with
4: with the shape of the hole. So yeah, that's, left I, to right. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is the the perfect example of. That's where, but also you know we talked about this before. It's harder to work the ball now just because of of the way the modern ball right. is. So the people that that's one of the reasons that Bubba was able to do so well in my opinion is able to use his creativeness and get around those corners where with the modern golf ball a lot of players aren't able
1: to. I mean obviously thirteen, but that's an extreme example because yeah. it's like Talladega that fairway. Yeah. It's so slope right to left. If you ever go to Augusta, you will be shocked. At the hanging lie that those guys have when they're in the fairway, basically
4: tee ball, right?
1: Yeah, it's ba- it, literally it's basically like hitting a baseball off a tee.
4: And, and I think that's even impressive that people, those players, able to hit such good shots into there, right? Because you have to aim essentially at the creek, race Creek. It's pretty hard to make a committed swing when you're <laughs> aiming at a hazard, but you don't have a choice. Exactly, you, know, you're and you aim don't there?
1: really want to miss left of that green, no, especially when the pins left.
4: <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, before we get out here, Sam, I got to ask you one thing. And I, I, I want to give a caveat to this before I rant, because I refuse to watch this video because I'm not going to condone this behavior. But did you see that Dude Perfect and Bryson got out on Amen Corner? I did. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I did see a funny tweet about it saying, you know, I'm not going to repeat what the tweet said. But anyways, I, I don't like um, necessarily not I'm trying to be nice about this, right? Oh, because I'll, I'm I'll, I'll be blunt as can be. I yeah, think but I'm a- trying to get a I'm trying to get a press pass to Augusta National eventually, so I don't want to rip it too hard. You know, and I think that they are trying to grow the game, okay? But this isn't how you grow the game to me.
4: No, and I will say the biggest shock of it was that the members allowed this to happen. I think that, for anyone who doesn't know, let, let's just put it into context. And like I said, I, I can't give a full review because I refuse
1: to watch this just video. Just tell them what happened so, and let the people so decide. So
4: apparently, Dude Perfect, they're famous for doing like the, the football's office buildings, you know, into hoops and shooting these all really cool shots. They went out aim Amen Corner with Bryson DeChambeau with hockey pucks, tennis rackets, uh, they, you know, whenever you you're on the putting green, you act like you're shooting pool into the hole. Yep. You know, you get down with the with your shaft, and it, they were doing that with a pool ball in the 12th green at Augusta. I don't like it. That. It was uh, look I, if if the masters wants to grow the game, that's fine. They're able to make their own decisions. Literally any other course you can do this on at Pebble Beach, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Even St Andrews, it's not that bad. Augusta National is sacred ground. It's sacred ground. Even Pine Valley, you could do this on. But not Augusta National and not Amen Corner, yeah. the most perfect stretch of all golf. And you went out there and you just desecrated it.
1: I I don't like it just because it, it, in some people's minds it will make a mockery out of the best part of golf.
4: Could you Could you imagine twenty two years ago, whenever it was, we didn't even see the front nine out of Augusta on television, right? And now we have guys out there with. But pool and you know what's funny too is that you know, I know people who have played Augusta and they have been asked not to come back for doing a lot less than that. And so right. it's just crazy that the evolution of of Augusta and it's one of those things I should probably can you know, support it, right? Because they're trying to grow the game and they're not as uptight as they used to be, and they've been more better about letting members in, especially female members. So I it's one of those things where the premise of it is good, but the end result is absolutely atrocious.
1: Yeah. To me, growing the game is things like the ANWA and the drive-chip Perfect chip, and putt. example. By the way, shout out to Kylie Fisher from Oklahoma doing really well in the drive-chip and putt yesterday.
4: Well, on the chip and putt, you know, we didn't, we mentioned this on the radio show, but, you know, they have – so they have a local qualifier, a sub-regional, and a regional, and then they go to Augusta. So you yep. got to get through three stages. So that's yep. – I mean, you're doing something right there. And the regional sites, Sam, they had like 12 of them or maybe 15, something like that. Here's just some of the courses. Pebble Beach. Oakland Hills... Oak Hill, a lotion club, Bears club in Florida. I mean, it's just a quail hollow.
1: It's, Unbelievable. I mean,
4: it's like, even if you don't get to go to Augusta, that's a pretty nice alternative, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
4: Not, a little it, better than you going to the finals a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, like I Kansas mentioned City. on the
1: radio show that I hit a bomb at Rose Creek and I got to go to Kansas City for the Worlds back when I was like six years old. <laughs> I remember asking, Seven, I I was
4: asking, I was like, how many shots did you hit? And you're like, man, I don't know. It was so
1: long ago. I guarantee if it was at Augusta, you'd remember every minute of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. These kids are. You know that that is just that's how you grow the game. I mean, is my point, and and I don't think that you know growing the game is having dude perfect. You know, hit hockey pucks on twelve at Augusta. It how, just it's not cool to me.
4: How many people you think watched that video and said, you know what, I want to do, I want to start golf. I just can't imagine many people doing that, no. right? I mean, I, like I said, I agree that it's some that Augusta's trying to be more cool and, and be more inviting, but there are so many better ways. To do it, and, and of course it's
1: Bryson. Uh, that's what makes it even worse. <laughs> right? Like anyone else, I you, guess. Did you see Patrick out there doing that? No, no. Did no. you close. see Tiger out there doing that? Oh my lord, absolutely not. No, I mean couldn't. Even, could you uh, see Dustin Johnson out Phil, there doing? That? I mean,
4: none of these people. Did you see Phil? Du- no, no, no. It's it's I I I just wanted to make sure that. Because I don't know, I, I can understand where some people, like we said, are, are growing the game and they don't see it so bad. But in my opinion, I don't think they understand the tradition of Augusta National. If that's I couldn't imagine what Bobby Jones and Clifford Roberts were doing in their graves yesterday, or whenever this, whenever they were doing this, they I had to totally be like, agree. "Get off of our course! Yeah. This is a desecration to what we
1: built here." You can't even run at Augusta National, and they were, you know, hitting tennis balls.
4: Sam, whenever you play there, um, in not a tournament, you're not even. You have to walk ninety degrees onto well, the green. Let me ask
1: you this. Here, here's how I'll end this conversation. And yes, there's a lot of hilarious jokes you can make about this, right? But I'm not going to. I'm not going to make a mockery out of it. They're trying to grow the game, okay? The thing that I want to, you know, reinforce is what makes the Masters different? What I'm asking you, what makes the Masters different in cool. your mind?
4: Boy, that is a great, great question. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier the tradition of it. I the think tradition it has is a lot to do one. with
1: it. I mean, and. The fact that it's – there's no other – It's exclusive. It's the exclusivity of it. It's exclusive. The condition of it. You can't even have a cell phone out there, okay? My point here is that in my mind, why if you're Augusta, why try to be like everybody else? That's what makes you great is that you're not. Yeah. And you're better, you know. So, to me, growing the game doesn't necessarily mean – You have to be like everybody else.
4: And it's, you know, I was saying this earlier, but I want to reinforce it. Even if it happens at Augusta, not Amen Corner. Yeah. Even 18, but not Amen Corner. Seriously, not number 12. Probably the best par three in the world, right? And it's, I think, you know, asking what makes Augusta, it's the hole design. It has a lot to do with it, too. It's the the best nine holes in golf is that back nine at Augusta.
1: They don't let the drive, chip, and putt kids go out to Amen Corner. But they let I you mean, go out they, there. With, they, they don't let them hit the shots on amen corner. Is what I mean. They they let them go out. And, there.
4: and Colby was saying this, you know, for the A practice round, the ladies aren't. We're only able to hit one tee ball and one approach shot, right? So it's not yeah. like you can throw down a lot of shots. But we're we're allowing dude perfect out there with with tennis balls and and pool balls on. I, I don't like it.
1: I I and it's not. I, I totally not, it's not an it. indictment on Augusta. That, that's being, the last that's thing the we're point, doing. My that my point is, I love how Augusta is. Don't change it. It's
4: they they tr- they were so far the extreme of being uptight, and now they they transition trying, a little bit too far. It's like it.
1: a dad trying to be cool, right? That's a really good example. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, which, which you
4: can't slam the dad for trying to be cool, but no, you can exactly. slam how he's
1: doing it, right? Exactly, exactly. It, there's just better ways to do it, right?
4: And, and I will say this: I could you imagine the phone call? Like, who made that phone call? Like, hey, we want to come out to Augusta. Whose
1: want- idea was it? Augusta's idea to. Talk to Dude Perfect, or was it Dude Perfect's idea to talk to Augustine? That's a good
4: question. I'm not sure because that's a big point of this. Is could you imagine calling Augustine and being like, "Hey, I want to, I want to come <laughs> use tennis rackets and, and hockey pucks on aiming corners. Is that all right? I like, know it's not like never. I couldn't imagine that. I'd be so nervous to do that. I'd be more nervous than TG when the guy
1: was walking up with rain pants. That's my point. Is it, it's sacred ground, right? Treat. Let's treat it like it. It's. I mean, even I, any other course, you can do this
4: at. Maybe the exception of like Bay Hill or something because it's Arnie's course, you know. But I think even Arnie wouldn't have he wouldn't have been as upset about this as Bobby Jones and Clifford Roberts were, so, yeah, because they
1: were sticklers for the rules, a hundred percent. Well, T Dub, we will be back tomorrow afternoon with Craig Humphreys live from Augusta. We'll have some audio to play from. Uh, The different press conferences tomorrow, we'll hear from Tiger Woods, hopefully, as long as he still goes to that 11 a.m. Eastern Time press conference. Um, T-Dub, we might be joined later in the week uh, by some other special guests. I I think we're planning on doing a show after play ends on the podcast, not the radio show, but the podcast after play ends on Friday. Also, make sure to tune in throughout the week uh, to Craig Humphreys on the Sports Animal, doing awesome with the all of these live hits. I, I mean, he's the hardest working man in Augusta right he's now. He's
4: the best at in the, in the country. And, and, and no He doubt.
1: does hits on every single hour, every single show um, of uh, the Sports Animal, and then on Saturday we, I will be on with. Craig Humphrey's live from Augusta again uh, for two hours before play and after play. And then Sunday, I will be on the Sports Animal from 9 to 11 and then noon to 2. And then after play concludes uh, for the Masters. So make sure to tune in to that if you're in Oklahoma, 98.1 WWLS, the Sports Animal. T-Dub, what are you excited most about this week?
4: Oh, I I am... Tiger. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt yeah. about that. Obviously, Tiger. Um, I will say this. You know, we looks like we're going to have some rain the next few days. We'll have a little bit more of an update tomorrow because forecasts yep. get better as the week goes along. But looking at rain on Thursday, so hopefully that doesn't push tee times back. Because, you know, we saw it in like 2005, right? They get some rain on Thursday, and we push it back to where they finish the third round on Sunday morning. So there's a decent chance that that happens. Let's, let's hope that it doesn't. But uh, it's by far the best week in golf, Sam. And you know, like I said, we're celebrating it on the 73rd hole with our giveaway. So right before we get out here, I want to make exactly. sure we got it right. So follow the 73rd hole on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And follow Square Shoes on Instagram and Twitter as yep. well. And if you're following all four of those accounts on Sunday afternoon after the play, as long as you don't get rained out until Monday, I guess. So then we will have a winner for the Nick Faldo 11 signed golf shoes. Some of the best looking shoes I've ever seen.
1: Absolutely great call, T Dub. Also, Grubbit brushes promo code 73rd hole for Taylor Williams. This has been Sam Humphreys. Thank you again to our great guests Bob Wenskowitz and Jim Woodward for joining us on this Masters Monday. Have a great week, everybody, on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.